good, the bad, and the nerdy movie podcast. I'm your host, Tom. With me again is Jeremy. Say hi, man. Hey, hey, everyone. Hey, we are doing a special episode. This is one that's been long in the works. It's a personal comedy favorite for both of us. Uh, Okay, so, Jeremy, let me ask you. What if we took a movie and we had... Let's put some of the Ghostbusters in it. Uh, Let's put some of the biggest stars of Saturday Night Live. Like, maybe... Oh, oh, yes, sweetie. Sorry, my daughter wants wants to jump in. Let me restart. Okay. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Okay, so Jeremy, imagine we do. Uh, so we have. Let's have a couple Ghostbusters in a movie. Let's have Chris Farley in a movie. Let's have the Buscemi. Let's and Kramer. Importantly, let's Kramer. Adam Sandler, and probably one of his biggest points in his career, Brendan Fraser in the movie. Would you want to see this movie? Of course I would. Yes. That would be Airheads from 1994. Believe it or not, one of the first, uh, I would say it's the first Adam Sandler movie. Was it the first one? I didn't know. I mean, like I said, I had to go back and rewatch it. I didn't realize it was his very first one. It's his first. I mean, aside from like going overboard, it's his first real starring role where he's like right. the, he's what the co-lead. But if you look closely, most people he's in all of his movies are in this movie. Yeah, this is kind of like after he did this movie, he decided to start his own company, start making. So you could say the birth of we. Uh, this movie gets his Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, and so on. So. Perf, uh, perfect kind of a um, creation for uh, the future of comedy. But, I mean, it's got a huge, huge cast for a movie about basically the three three idiot metalheads. With water guns. With uh, And peppers and uh, pepper sauce. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the pepper yeah. sauce. <laughs> it's like they love, remember, they put hot sauce in it to make it a little more uh, painful. <laughs> And not only a metal band, a metal band with a great name. Oh, a real, the best metal band name ever, the Lone Rangers. And I like when Joe Montana, uh, who is the uh, DJ in this movie, um, I think the shark, um, Ian the shark, expressed very clearly, there's three of you, you can't be the Lone Rangers. You can't pluralize Lone. And Adam Sandler just looks up and goes, you have no idea what you're talking about. It's just one of, it's a funny line in the movie. It's it's a great movie. It's, really, it's a brilliant point. I mean, uh, we, we've all had, uh, how many, it's just so many bad names for bands. <laughs> anyway, for them to uh, just take an even dumber title and just run with it, it's perfect. And all their band names, fantastic. Yeah. Was it like uh, the Sons of Thunder? Which not, I know I've been, uh, I've seen a Christian band with that name. It's like they took the worst Christian metal band names and threw them all in here. But yeah, I mean, uh, back in the 90s, there were some pretty, really, really just like bizarre eras for like metal. And this film kind of had the bad luck of coming out in that weird period where. Real good metal and hard rock was kind of completely out of out of style. So this movie, I've said, came out either two years too late or four years too early. Four years too early. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I think we can all agree. If this had been made four years later, it would have been a big hit. Well, I mean, it was still, I mean, this is another one of those hits. It's like a whole lot of movies that I know we talk about sometimes is not really big in the box office, but VHS. Oh, yeah. DVD, lots of people watching. 
Oh, to this day, I if if I get a, a joke about hostage, I always make the uh, naked picture to be Arthur reference. Yeah, I mean, you have to plead insanity somehow. I mean, you have to be insane. I don't know. B. Arthur was an attractive woman back in the day. I mean, I and know. apparently not that hard to get a naked picture of. No, which is upsetting, but also at the same time, I understand. I get it. Well, I actually looked into that just as a gag. Apparently in the 60s, she'd been in uh, El Calcutta, which is a uh, musical where people get naked in the middle of the show. So apparently... There were a lot of naked pictures of B. Arthur, so they picked the wrong golden girl. Hold on one second. I got to go get a pen. You said old Calcutta? Yeah. Hold on. Okay. Just just for note. Just for notes. I'm not going to look later. I just... Yeah. Just for notes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely one of the things in the 60s, they tried different things. That was one of those things. But yeah. Um, so basically the plot of the movie is we got the Lone Rangers Chaz the lead singer gets kicked out by his girlfriend because you know, he's he's kind of he's, he's a jerk to her but he's also bad, he can't get his record deal that he's wanting so they so him and his band decide to sneak into a record I mean to a radio station to play their song on the radio hoping that'll get them the record deal they want yeah their demo which is also funny to watch looking back at how their demo was on like the old tape reel almost like a midi Back in the day. And it was just so funny to think about how now you don't need any of that type of stuff. And they're smoking cigarettes in the DJ booth, too. That's how it gets destroyed. Yeah. And the thing about it is, like, okay, so they uh, they also take those toy water guns that look realistic enough just in case. They sneak in there. And then as their tape gets destroyed, it becomes a hostage situation with their with their water guns that, you know. And it quickly escalates, and in the process, they become rock because it's on the radio the entire time they're taking this rock station hostage. It's, it's a great premise. It's one of the things. They're rebels. They're rebelling. The rock community loves it, and they show up in force. Yeah, <laughs> including in what probably the best surprise cameo. You know, uh, so uh, Chaz gets called out by, by one of the SWAT team guys for being a nerd in high school. I, Chester. I have no idea how, that, how hard that could be. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the one, one guy goes, I play D&D too. And then a, a guy in the middle of the crowd screams, I was the editor of the school magazine. And it's Lenny. <laughs> yep. <laughs> sitting in the middle of the crowd. We are all nerds, and it's not bad to be one. No. No, but that's the beauty part. Of it. I just love the uh, just the the bizarreness, and he's he's the kind of nerd I was. Is not the not the science nerd, just just the nerd. <laughs> so uh, that's what I love about this movie. It's like it, it, they kind of invert a lot. You, you think Pip, that Adam Sandler character, is a total idiot, but he has incredible chick magnet skills. <laughs> he's absolutely hilarious in this movie. I, it is one of my favorite. I mean, aside from, I won't even get into all his newer stuff and all the stuff that he's doing now, because Adam Sandler is actually doing some pretty interesting things right now. Oh, yeah. But as, but as far as comedy goes, um, I really do enjoy the Billy Madisons, the Happy Gilmores and stuff like that. But I thought he was the funniest in this one. I mean, it just like almost like vintage old Adam yeah. Sandler. He's better when he's kind of the, the side weird. I, I would say his best performance are when he's a weirdo. Not the yeah. lead, or if he's the lead, he's got to be a weirdo. Like I have a soft spot for Little Nicky, which is a similar case for. It's a weird, weird, weird movie. Yeah, we talked about that before. We talked about this. It's just a strange movie. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it though. I mean, I felt like a lot of people didn't like that one for some reason, yeah. but and big it's, fan. It's clearly kind of a, a uh, sort of a you know kind of a callback to Airheads in a way. I mean, 
and that's what I love about this movie. It's like it's full of weird stuff that's so crazy that if you're if you're of the right age, you completely get all the in jokes. It's that's what. And it's uh, you know the idea yeah you know, radio was a bad it was a bad time for radio they were constantly changing formats I mean what I think we went through like three or four rock stations before like the main rock station just went classic rock so we had no regular rock station for a long time yeah it's still hard to find today I mean as far as rock radio goes no and that's the thing is like radio itself was and you know one of the big reveals is the radio station is about to be switched to easy listening. That happened all the time, and the radio station they actually were they used for the set actually that happened to them like three months after the movie came out. That's funny. I um, looking at this, I actually the more that I was watching this movie, the more it just kind of like it's not surprising at all that like if this happened today, of it, I mean, of course it would not go down anything like this, but if something like this did happen today, how I real, uh, I do feel like people would be with them. They would be oh, like, yeah. yeah, these guys. Yeah. Especially if everybody found out they're stupid and they had water guns. <laughs> I mean, oh, still, I, I this, it's, this it's, movie had everything though. And that's why I love it. But with the nineties, uh, I mean, we, you had, you had Kurt Loader. You, you had, Kramer. yeah, you had Kramer. Kramer was in this movie. Uh, Rob Zombie, Tracy Ullman. Like, I, I have a hilarious thing about that. I was reading about this. So it wasn't supposed to be White Zombie. It was supposed to be Cannibal Corpse. They got fired when they found out they had already done Ace Ventura. So, and then uh, apparently they won. Cannibal Corpse. That's yeah. funny to me. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and uh, and they uh, so Cannibal Corpse got fired. They tried to get. Uh, it wasn't pavement. It was they tried to get like a couple other, you know. Oh no, they tried to get testament. Testament. Oh, okay. Couldn't show up either, so they got white zombie at the last minute. So like, I'm like, man, that's some like deep dive, like obscure uh, heavy metal. It's funny. I was listening to heavy metal around this time pretty hard, and just the fact of knowing because I didn't know it back then, but when I saw Cannibal Corpse and Ace Ventura, you know, and you're like, wow, that's incredible. Just to know that like a few movies were wanting them is absolutely hilarious to me because all you have to do is read their lyrics to one song you need to be like record execs or or movie people like want them okay whatever yeah they definitely do not look like the band you want to put in a movie they're you know they're not nickelback ugly but they're they're like about like like gnarly as you can get for metal band oh yeah and 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 content is awfully gnarly yes and like i said that so they picked White Zombie, and White Zombie was able to parlay this into a little more popular, even though the movie wasn't a hit. They were able to say, hey, we're in Airheads. Mm-hmm. And I think I had this soundtrack, too. I think the overall soundtrack was quite good, because yeah. it was a mix of, like, a classic rock, and there was some, like, more metal-type stuff on there, too. Yeah, I mean, it was some, a good soundtrack. Yeah, there's some hardcore punk in there. It, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a fun, fun, like, soundtrack. You can tell people who actually really liked, like, real rock put that together. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, like, well, we got to use all these people because they're on one record label. No, they got, they got some. There's like a uh, four non blondes cover of like a, in, of a pay, of like a death metal band in there. So it's it's a it's a strange '90s rock uh, collection right there. Yeah, great movie. Um, definitely, this is you're categorizing this one as the good, correct? I'm actually putting it the nerdy. Actually, I think. The, Are you okay? Yeah, I think this okay, is a nerdy rock movie because. 
And if you're a comedy fan, it's got all those, it hits all those weird things. Like I said, we've got uh, Ernie Hudson is the main cop trying to o- oversee this hostage situation. You also got and everybody. Everybody, everybody knows Ernie Hudson. I don't feel like we have to say who exactly. he is. Great. So we got two of the Ghostbusters in this movie. Mm-hmm. We've got, we've got uh, you know, Michael McKeon. You know, we're talking literally the leader of Spinal Tap is in this movie. Yeah. I mean, so you've got all these kind of like weird. And of course, we have Michael Richards, who I have an interesting theory. I don't think he was there the entire movie. I think they shot his stuff separately because every scene he's talking to, he's not. You don't see him. He's talking. alone. Yeah, he's alone. In the office or, like, yeah. ducking behind something. Yeah. So I have a feeling they shot it with somebody else. That They, they didn't like his form, so they brought him in edited him in. So he's definitely – and it's a, you know, it's a good Die Hard parody. It's like, let's put Kramer in Die Hard. Yeah. And then uh, Chris Farley, uh, the bumbling cop. Yep. Um, absolutely hilarious in this one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you have Joe Mantegna, basically, uh, like, the most hey. like, awesome uh, DJ ever. It is, and I haven't seen this movie in so long, and I've watched so much Criminal Minds since then. <laughs> so it was really hard for me to not hear Detective or SSA Rossi uh, sitting there being the DJ and how he was just how sarcastic and funny he was. Because I thought he was great in this movie too. I mean, but I thought not he was that really far good. Off. like the character's not that far off. I mean, you could see in, in another life he was an angry DJ. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean it's Joe Montana. I mean he's he's hilarious in this movie, and I think he's good overall. Yeah. But also when it was switching over, how he one of the things in it, like you were saying, how it was going to easy listening, how he took personal offense to that yeah. as well. Yeah, and he has that great line like "Rock's been dead since John Lennon," and I'm like, we've heard that comment forever too. Agreed. And I love how like uh, Chaz, you know, Brendan Fraser's mad. Somebody suggests a uh, grunge band. He's like, uh, but, but that's the point. Like there was a, if you were into like you know the L.A. you know metal scene. You definitely did not like alternative rock because it was basically putting all taken over. Yeah. And yep. Like massively, like one week Nelson's number one, next week Pearl Jam. So. <laughs> yeah, and of course I don't I don't even know if we mentioned it yet. I know we talked about it beforehand, but Steve Buscemi again killing a role that he has yes um just wonderful in this movie as well i mean people don't realize how good of comedy chops he has because he's always usually kind of he's either the angry guy or he's the annoying guy this one he's actually perfect as the you believe every little thing he that he's the kind of grumpy bassist he just screams i'm the grumpy bassist (laughs) yeah i mean originally correct his idea to break into the radio station correct yeah He's the uh, one's like, let's let's just sneak in there and get it on the radio. And honestly, it, here's the if they play in the radio, if they just walked in, you could tell the DJ like, this could be funny. Let's let him in there. He didn't care that he didn't know they were wanting to break it. He thought it was funny. These and he knew you could tell these guys were probably a bit of a joke. So he, you could t- it was going to be a radio bit regardless. Right. I mean, it's going to be it's going to get listeners. Yeah. He was like, I, I've got third. I got time. I can do whatever I want in my radio time. <laughs> And it, it's it's just funny. And I also I get a kick. David Arquette is in this movie. Yeah, I almost forgot he was until I rewatched it. I, I really did forget that he was in this movie. Yeah, and it's you can it's very very early David Arquette, and I, apparently this was during a bad drug phase for him. So he looks so skinny and so like, you know, not like Dewey from Scream, and you can just tell like he was it was not a good point in his life, but it, this was his start. He got to be an airhead and. I, you know, same thing. I believe he got used by Sandler a lot afterwards, every now and then in random cameos. 
Yeah, I'm trying to look at here because uh, I was trying to because there's somebody else that I saw in it that I couldn't really remember. But it's funny if you look on Wikipedia, it has Lemmy as the school magazine editor. Uh, <laughs> Lemmy Vaughn Motorhead. <laughs> yeah, is is the school magazine editor in this one? And uh, uh, of course, we got the great joke: Who wouldn't fight Lemmy or Lemmy versus God? And yeah, I immediately knew it was like Lemmy is God. <laughs> yep. That's a, I never really heard that. I mean, that I used that so many times after this. It's just nerdy. So. Uh, oh, I know. I know. <laughs> and like most people wouldn't even know who Lemmy was because, you know, Motorhead didn't get played a lot back then. But the fact of the matter is you heard it. You knew Lemmy was God. Yeah. I mean, and <laughs> I, I, I think it's funny because they constantly are talking about um, when you look at the the critics response to this movie um not a fan of it no i mean this is one of those that you really have to be a fan of these guys and the concept of what they were doing i mean this is not a movie that's going to win an award uh this is a movie though that like like a lot of things uh, is just more of a cult following with this type of movie I, i think in most cases they used to rerun it on comedy central a lot it was just one it was cheap for them to play so they ran it a lot so a lot of people saw it via that or maybe they rented it because there's one of the movies like, hey he's got adam sandler we'll watch it and it's like it's they just released i remember they released it in like late summer maybe it was like august of 94 and you know by nine at that point like there had been so many big movies that year i think it just had the bad luck of being kind of buried yeah so many good this again looking at the soundtrack so many good songs on this thing anthrax Yep, Primus, Degeneration, of course, Motorhead, the Four Non Blondes, I'm the One. That's a yep, and yeah, and you have to think like how, this is that period where like every all those bands were pretty popular too. So once again, it was kind of a weird. Just the timing was not right. They just put it at the wrong moment. They put it maybe six months later, or even released a little bit earlier. It might have been a bigger hit. You know, I still get a kick. They got you know, Beavis and Butthead uh, making an appearance in this movie. Yeah, they call in. They <laughs> want to. They, they want to know about these guys. Yeah, and like this is you know ninety four. We're talking just you know, you know right at the height of abuse and butthead popularity. You know ninety three, the show starts. So by ninety four, they're even bigger, bigger hit. So it's just another strange like, why is Beavis and Butthead calling? In? Well, MTV co-produced this movie, so they of course they threw them in. That's why Kurt Loder is in the movie. Right. Right. And plus, Beavis and Butthead metal fans. Oh yeah, metal it movie. would make sense. <laughs> would be yep. listening to station. <laughs> yep. It's like everything makes perfect sense for 1994, but once again, this movie was should have been like... Yeah, the, and of course, I love they bring up the uh, Vince Neil uh, you know, uh, car crash, which is you know, the point. Like, they need... they uh, Rock stars back then really didn't go to jail. Yeah, I mean, without it, back then, rock stars were rock stars. Now, I feel like rock stars have a nutritionist... Um, uh, scheduled workout schedule. I mean, I just feel like it's just a different time. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 uh, Metallica, uh, when they started using therapists, you knew times are different. Yeah, I mean, everybody's cleaned up, everything, and that's all good. But just at the time, that was a serious problem. Lost a lot of good ones around this time. Oh, yeah. And, and like I said, that's another thing. I think, you know, 94, we're at that weird period. Like, this came out probably around the same time as Woodstock. So you got, 
you know, it's a different period where punk rock and, you know, alt rock are really dominating. So the number one would ca- a lot of people are like, I don't care about these metal heads, <laughs> which I also, I think adds to the angst of it. They, these guys have picked the wrong time to be in their sound uh, for their sound to be uh, not popular. So, you know, there's that, the, uh, well, uh, so I think if, the, if they made this movie, like, I think we all agree if they released this one, maybe a couple of years later, it would have been a much better time for it. It, it would make more sense too, because by say '97, you know, rock radio is completely dying anyway. So of course these guys would, you know, try desperately to get in the radio even then. Now it would just be they're just put that they make their own videos and put it on YouTube and just try to get a hit on Spotify. Exactly, they just try to go viral one good time. And and you know, and their success is literally because they they create they create their own variation of going viral. You know, they take yeah, they, that's how they get pop. It's their version of ni- 1994's version. Of going viral, you're on the radio. The news is there. I mean, everything is looking at you. Yeah, and yeah, uh, so that kind of predicts you know stupid stunts to get yourself successful. So, and it's it's kind of hilarious what you know what this movie's essentially joke is. In the very end, you know the the last little bit, you see the they record their album live in prison. It goes triple platinum. You of know, course, and uh, I love the degenerated, right? Degenerated, yeah. yeah. Degenerated, and I love the Joe maintains it. One of the last lines: "They we start touring in six months. Well, three months that they behave themselves." Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know that they, they they have they probably have one hit tour, and that's probably it for them. <laughs> this is a movie that I think would have been absolutely ruined with a sequel. No, definitely, yeah. You can- <laughs> Uh, and you should never like these this is like a perfect bottle in the you know one story is it you know you, we don't want to see what happens to these guys afterwards we know they get their success and whatever happens to them afterwards farewell yeah I, I was sitting here looking at this the the film features original song by white zombie i'm just all these people okay now i'm seeing where you're sitting metallica they even tried to get metallica yeah, uh, that's crazy. And, and that's, at this point, '94 Metallica is still big, but it was it was kind of a lull period for them. Like, you know, they're trying to record uh, "Load," which you know, er, er, you know, Metallica fans are always mixed about that album. But the point being, '94 Metallica is not even that big. It's it's you know, the number one album the week the ca- the, the movie came out was Green Day, Dookie. So definitely a, an odd. Hey, time. good album though. Very can't, album. can't get mad at that. No, that's the point. It's just the timing was not right for a movie about uh, three guys in a he- in a uh, hair metal band. Yeah, would have made half of its budget on opening weekend. Only half, like one point nine million. Yeah, just so, like uh, eek. And it was a cheap movie. I mean, you could tell they shot it pretty low budget. I mean, Adam Sandler was not getting twenty million dollars back then. He was getting probably half a million if he's lucky. At, just because Saturday Night Live was also in the tank at the time. Yeah, they basically filmed the entire thing just in that set of the, the radio station. I yeah, mean, you get nothing else, really. I mean, you get some outside. I, I bet they killed their whole budget on the concert scene. Yeah, oh, um, and, you know, what's neat is that's also the uh, same uh, location where they shot Die Hard. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, if you look closely, that's the same building. Uh, the radio station is next to the building that it was the Nakatomi Plaza. So, yeah, it's that's kind of why they had to have a Die Hard parody because they're like, well, we're shooting here at the same place they shot Die Hard. Let's do that. Right. So that's kind of okay. I figure the uh, Michael Richards character was added afterwards. Because, once again, it feels like it was 
all of his scenes don't match up with anybody else. No, and I don't. I didn't really even think about that because when I was watching it, I was just rewatching it just to rewatch it. But when you say that after recently rewatching it, you're like, yeah, wait a minute. He's never in the boardroom with the people. Like he's never anywhere when he has them all around the table, you know, and they're trying to figure out what to do. Yeah, when and, he puts the gun, pulls the gun on them, you don't see him. You see his hand. So it could have been anybody. Right. That could have been just a SWAT team guy who snuck in there, and they just added that part in. Yeah. But overall, great movie. Uh, still a fan of it. To me, actually, kind of still holds up. I mean, some of the oh, yeah. if you're if you're in metal and, and and you like the rock scene and stuff, a lot of the references, a lot of everything, still holds up. A lot of comedies, I feel like in '93, '94, '95, just don't hold up. Yeah, but this one holds up. This one holds up quite well. Though. Yeah, I've said for like I've watched Clueless again, and I, it just doesn't seem funny because those jokes don't make those jokes only worked if in 1995, but. Airhead Paul Rudd looks the same, though. I mean, well, I mean <laughs> the man has looked the same forever. Well, I mean, we're talking Paul Rudd. He he found the fountain of youth and uh, took a bath in it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible to me. Yeah, just to see him now, like Ant Man and stuff like that, and see him in that movie and be like, really? I know he's kind of aged, but what is what is this guy doing? Yeah, but uh, you know, if you look at Brendan Fraser, he's mostly been pretty successful with keeping himself healthy. Adam Sandler's a whole nother story. Yeah, Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler looks to- completely different, but the same to me. Exactly. I mean, I don't know why. I guess it's just because I've grown up with him. Yeah, in a sense. I mean, but I, I, I kind of like the Adam Sandler now. Yeah, it's, it's he takes himself a lot more like he, he's way more self aware than he was even like ten years ago. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I was like I said it before, like the worst movie I've ever seen is Jack and Jill, and for so many reasons. And I realized he probably made that movie just to see if he could waste a bunch of money to, and, and no one would say no. Yeah, and what's funny is I don't think I ever saw all of Jack and Jill. I think I watched that a little bit and was like, nope. Yeah. It's, and just cut it off. Yeah, it, you know, it's like occasionally there's some movies you're like, why did they do this? You know, when I did my episode on Jury Duty, I was saying the same thing. It was like, it's one of the, it, for us to say a movie's a bad Polly Shore movie, that's a stretch because they're, Polly Shore movies aren't great, but if you make the worst Polly Shore movie, that's you. You really hit a by a, a failure. Same thing if you made the worst Adam Sandler movie, that takes a lot of work. You have to almost intentionally bomb it. Yeah, um, I didn't. Uh, let's see. I was trying to think with uh, Adam Sandler's. Is there one worse than Jack and Jill? But I didn't see all of Jack and Jill. Exactly. If you. <laughs> Yeah, no desire to go back to it. I watched the video story run. Uh, I put it in once, and I was like, "Man, I want my ninety minutes back." And I didn't pay yeah. for it. Yeah, you know, I just saw it for free. Well, Brendan Fraser's thrown out some junkers too, though. Oh, I don't. Yeah. Oh, he's notoriously made a lot of bad. It's like that's why his career has always been up and down. Uh, but yeah, I would say yeah, Steve Buscemi is probably the smartest one. You know, for anytime he makes a bad movie, he'll make something really, really good right afterwards. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know many bad Steve Buscemi movies. Maybe I'm just biased because I really, I, I like him in almost everything he does. Yeah, and that's kind of he doesn't have to be the lead. He can just be in the movie. So if the movie's bad, it's not his fault. He just was one of the guys in the movie. <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, and we, I was saying this like Steve Buscemi, pretty much uh, him and Adam Sandler became very good friends in the movie. That's why he's in almost every Adam Sandler, even if it's just for like one scene. 
you get the point. They became very, very good friends. But strange enough, him and Brandon Fraser never worked together again. Which I, I think is kind of interesting, but I think that also kind of shows the dynamic that you know, he was only. You get the impression that um, you know, Chaz and uh, Rex are friends. Hip, hip, hip the uh, the third wheel. Yeah, in the movie for sure. Yeah, and I like that they have that di- you know, that kind of you know, relationship. You can just tell. Uh, yeah, uh, something else I do want to bring up. The director is Michael Lehman, who actually directed probably one of the best comedies of the 80s, which is Heathers, which is itself yeah. such a bizarrely twisted, gnarly movie. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, could, he- I could talk about Heathers for a long time. I can remember the first time seeing that movie and the age that I was. My sister, who was three years older than me, she rented it with her friends, and they were watching it late one night. Parents went to bed. I went in there to watch it, sort of sat down at the end of her waterbed to watch it. I'll never forget it because watching that movie at first when I was a kid kind of scared me because oh. I was young. I was young, you know, and then I watched it again when I got a little older and I was like, this movie is it's really funny, but it is dark. That yeah. is a dark, dark movie. Yeah, it's it's a. I mean, Christian Slater is a serial killer. That's that's it's that's what it is. It's yeah. a serial killer comedy with Christian Slater and Winona Ryder. Yeah, like you could not make that movie at all now. Not and not at all. No, and uh, you know they they tried to make a TV series. Up and they want now you've been airing it because they're like yeah, it's too similar to like school shootings. Like yeah, that's the whole point of the movie. It's like a deranged guy kills the half of the popular kids. Yeah. And great uh, movie though. I but, could I don't want to get too far off course with Heather's because I could talk about that movie was yeah, I thought it was really well done. Another movie that if you watch today, I still think if you just updated it, I would never want them to redo it. But even today I think that it would resonate with what the way people feel at school. Exactly. The way and the way other people can interpret what other people say and think about them. I mean, I think that that had a lot of layers. So great job in that movie. And, and so, yeah. So yeah, he did that. He did Hudson Hawk, which was, and then he did this and his career kind of never recovered from that, which uh, this film I think is definitely in that same vein of like being a really twisted comedy, just like Heather. So I, I, mm-hmm. I feel like they just kind of, he just had the bad luck of just not having the right movie released at the right time. So uh, right. I, I got to get credit. The reason I think the movie works is the director actually figured out how to make it work. You know, he got the right people in it because if you cast other people, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been that funny. You know, Brendan. It would. I agree. Um, with, with all of them, how all of them work together, because I mean, it was it was done relatively like spot on. I don't know who else you could have put in it. Exactly. I mean, if you done it with like Mike Myers and Dana Carvey, it would have just been. It wouldn't have had the same. You know. No, yeah. and uh-uh. you get the vibe. They probably this was probably pitched to everybody who was on Saturday Night Live at some point because for them to get several of the Saturday Night Live actors in it says they were trying to get as many of them in it as possible. So, but uh, I think we can both kind of agree. We, you know, we we've talked about this for half an hour. This is one of those movies. If you've not seen it or have not seen it in a long time, go back and watch it. It's surprisingly really funny. Like my wife and I, it's one of our cult favorite movies. Like we'll put it on every night and we're bored. <laughs> Just because it kind of it scratches that comedy itch of like that weird period of comedy, like you don't make a movie like this anymore. And you're not going to find it on any streaming platform, kids out there, because I tried to because I wanted to rewatch this. I knew we were talking about it, and I ended up just having to buy it. So yeah, yeah, we bought it years ago just because we saw it at like for sale. And, wow, you can't get this usually. I found it found it at a McKay's sale. Somebody had, had sold. I'm like, I'll buy that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a strange one that, you know, and 
that's what we were saying. They used they used to run on TV all the time. I don't know why it's completely like out of print now, but if you do see it, watch it. It's so funny. Uh, you know, sometimes it'll pop up on streaming. Just if you see it available, what take take the advantage of watch it. It's it's worth yeah. It's ninety minutes with a good tight ninety minutes and really funny and a real snapshot of like comedy of back the, of that time because yeah, as we said, it's got a huge. A murder's row of your best comedic people in it. Yeah, and like you said, too, I feel like it was a really good representation of the way time was right then with how rock was really just kind of dying. Yeah. And in order for you to get noticed, it took something like this. Yeah, you either had to have a crazy video at MTV or do something really weird that would get you a lot of attention. And this movie took advantage of the desperation some rock bands would do. Yeah, for sure. All right, well... Uh, Jeremy, thanks for coming on, man. No, thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll be we'll do another one real soon. Uh, for those of you listening, if you like this episode, make sure to uh, share it with your friends. Please uh, hit us up on Twitter. I'm going to be starting a Facebook group next week, so if you're on Facebook, look and look for the Good Bad Nerdy uh, uh, fan group. Uh, I'll have that set up real shortly. Anyway, uh, as we're uh, and finally, as we're saying, if you're if it's